Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Good. Uh, yeah. How's the weather your way? It's getting hot. It's yeah. uh, 84. I dropped a degree from the last episode. That's okay. pretty exciting. Okay. But yeah, it's getting hot and humid. Okay. And it's getting warm where you're at. Yeah, it's uh, around like 60 degrees Fahrenheit, 18 degrees Celsius, something like that. So it's warm. Yeah. Not too hot, but warm enough. Um, but yeah, you know what else is warm is we're heating up, getting into season three of Gilmore Girls. Yep. Yep. Season two, rear view mirror, like Tristan that just left. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little, little more uh, ceremoniously than Tristan leaving the show, but still. But yeah, we're done season two. We're on to season three. Yep. Uh, talking about the premiere of season three, which is those lazy, hazy days. Um, oh, if I had to hear that song one more time, and they actually mention it in the show. How yeah. Many times they say it? it was pretty catchy, but not in a good way where you're just like, okay, that's just stuck in my brain now. Yeah. Oh, this uh, is one of the first episodes of the guy that plays Kurt is in the opening credits. So yeah. he was promoted, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think he's um, a series regular now. So, because, yeah, before that, he was just a guest. So, like, a lot of, the, like, a lot of times you'll have your your main cast, your starring uh, cast, you'll have your guest stars who are, like, on quite a bit, but not, like, all the time. And then your co-stars, which are, like, on occasionally. Um but, uh, yeah, no, in this uh, season, they bumped up Kirk. Uh, Jess, I don't know if Jess was a uh, star in the I didn't season. notice. I don't think he was. But he is now. Mm. So. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, we jump into it. This cuts to the end of summer. You know, before it was uh, the beginning of summer. Now we're at the end. And, uh, yeah, more or less now, uh, we pick up at the end of the internship in Washington, uh, where, uh, you actually got some really weird cameos in this. Not weird in a bad way, but, like, mm-hmm. had, Barbara like, Boxer? Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you're, like, a real-life senator. Why are you, what are you doing in this? That was weird. Yeah, that was kind of surprising to me. I mean, I guess it shows how, how much the show took off that you have, uh, senator that shows up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember the other one. The other one was somebody well known too. Yeah, yeah. There was an, there was another one too. Well, I think they name drop another person for sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, kind of a very Rory centric episode. Although there was a lot of Laura Lyons, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, essentially Rory uh, comes back from Washington. We find out that even though Dean's been sending her a lot of letters, she's still fixated on Jess. She's still writing him that letter. Um, mm-hmm. Which I saw how many letters that like Dean had wrote. And I was like, that's a lot of letters. That's like. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he's a little clingy. So yeah, I was like, oh, right, that's, and that's, controlling. That's typical Dean for you. Um, and I think the symbolism of her writing the letter to, to Jess while she's in the closet, <laughs> you yeah. know, like she's was pretty good well she was writing it at first like after her phone call with lorelei and yeah you see but yeah eventually she goes into the closet she's writing it but yeah i don't know it's just like um 
I think it goes to show where her her interest lies, at least. Even though, yeah, she's with Dean, and they kind of play around with that, like who she interested in. And it's interesting that you know she goes back, she finds out that uh, Jess is with another girl, Shane. And I boy, think. is he ever! <laughs> yeah, he just goes full tilt into it. He's like, "Yeah, we're just gonna so, make out in the middle of this yeah, festival." Jess has no problem with with public PDA. Yep. Yeah. Well, that also brings my favorite quote from the episode, which was uh, Lorelai saying, like, I guess he's got his uh, What Did I Do This Summer uh, essay written already. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she comes back, and Dean's waiting for her, and she confesses to uh, Lorelai that she kissed uh, Jess and that she's thinking of Jess. And, yeah, uh, Lorelai does not take that well. You know, mentions that she is still with Dean. And how wonderful Dean is. Ah, oh, why? Yeah. I, come on. Again. What? The show, the show thinks that Dean's great. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think he's that great. He's he's pretty controlling. And again, here's where I get into the, you know, romanticizing of toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Lorelai seems very independent. And, and to, to say, hey, this guy's so great. How could you do this to him? Mm-hmm. It's... First of all, you know, Rory's, what, 16 at this point? Yeah. So, it's almost like Lorelai is taking this a little too seriously, Mm -hmm. I think. You know, and yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, she's concerned about Dean's feelings and stuff, but um, Dean doesn't seem as concerned with Rory's feelings. Yeah. Yeah, like, Rory seemed, like, ready to kind of move on with Jess and, like... Right. I felt kind of weird that, like, Lorelai was pushing her to stay with Dean. Because I'm like, clearly she's it, not... And yeah. Like, she says later, like, well, if you wanted to be with Dean, I'd support him. I'm like, but you didn't, though. You were, like, pressuring her to, you know, be with Dean. I'm like, I don't know. She's 16. I mean, it yeah. seemed like it was pretty kind of inappropriate. It was. She was... I, I feel like the interaction between Lorelai and, and Rory was kind of like uh, Lorelai was talking to an adult and not a 16-year-old. Yeah. And again, that kind of gets into, like, the best friends, but also daughters, you know, like, there's sometimes a little bit of inappropriate interactions with them because they don't, like, Lord Light doesn't always know how to be a perfect mother, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes she's more of a friend than anything else, so. Right. We're not even a perfect mother because I don't think there's, you know, being perfect doesn't exist, but just um, looking at it from a developmental perspective, which is a 16-year-old, you know, isn't always going to have long-term relationships, yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and to push a certain person on them seems inappropriate. Yeah. Definitely. It, I mean, by the end of the episode, you know, Rory makes the decision that she's going to stick with Dean, but you could tell that she doesn't quite want to. I don't know. I got that impression. Right. Like it was kind of forced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe sowing the seeds that, yeah, maybe things will be done with Dean, but. You know, I don't know. I I also think too that like sometimes when we're in relationships, people often feel like it's harder to you know encourage someone to move on than it is to just tell them to you know support the relationship they're in. But like I don't know. I think there's not there's in this case like uh, Rory seems really into Jess. You know, Dean kind of seemingly is not the greatest boyfriend, but again, the show thinks he is. So it's a well, and I wonder, too, if, if because he's got this controlling nature to him, if that's part of the reason why. And that the fact that 
Dean's kind of codependent on her. That's part of the reason why she hasn't broken things off. Yeah. Because Dean seems so overly invested. Mm-hmm. I could see where it's kind of almost like a form of emotional blackmail and she doesn't want to leave him because of how upset he'll be. Yes. Um, but yeah, not the only relationship drama. Uh, Paris gets asked out on a date and Rory helps her prepare. So that was... That was something. The opening, which which was a little surprising, I was wondering how much time had passed. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. see what it would look like if Luke and Lorelai were a couple, and she's pregnant with twins in this oh, dream yeah. sequence. That was that was really interesting because yeah, it doesn't seem like a dream. But it seems really realistic, and then you're like, oh yeah, right. And it, and I think it was kind of like maybe throwing the fans something that they wanted to see. So it was like giving the fans something they wanted, but then saying, oh, no, not yet. You know, but here's yeah. here's a little taste of what that's going to be like. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that kind of played to the fans a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, let's take a look here and see. Yeah, you also got uh, Emily and Richard finding out that uh, Christopher and Lorelai aren't together anymore. Um, I thought it was interesting that Lorelai just walks out. Like, she just kind of had enough, and she just got up and left. Uh, well, we've seen this tension between Emily and Richard in previous episodes. Yeah, ever since he retired or has this new business, things have not been okay between them. So they made a kind of a personal argument about Christopher between the two of them. Yeah. And didn't even really notice that Rory was, or that Lorelai left. Yeah. Which is- so I was picturing them going, like, at what point did they realize she wasn't even there? Yeah. They probably went to go yell at her, and then they're like, wait. Here. Right. Uh, and you see how overly invested they are in them being together. And then them blaming Lorelai, saying, well, you know, like stuff like you pushed him away or he wanted to be part of your lives and you said no. And when it just seems like, you know, the way that Christopher is, he's very flighty and it would not have worked. Yeah. Um, yeah I think the other thing, too, is that, like, in the sense of, like, you know, Emily and Richard have their expectations and those expectations were dashed. Like, I don't know. It seems like they overly take it out on Lorelai when I, again, like Lorelai even mentions like, wasn't my, anything was my doing. Like, you know, right. Girlfriend got pregnant. Like, what am I going to do? Right. So, yeah. Well, I, I think also, you know, you look at it as that's, they're not just fighting about that. They've had all this pent up frustration against each other. Yeah. Which has been coming out more and more. And even for, particularly when it comes to uh, Lorelai, too, you know, it was interesting that, like, Richard understood, uh, but, you know, he also, you know, like, he wasn't happy about it, but he at least understood. And Emily was more resistant, like, trying to fight it more than anything. So. But even Richard, I was surprised, because he said the line about, um, you know, that Christopher tried to, you know, be a family or something and Lorelai didn't want it. I think he said one of those lines. That was kind of surprising because he usually was in the background with those discussions. Mm-hmm. But he kind of goes for the jugular in that. I was a little surprised. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Oh, you do get uh, Lorelai going to Lou's diner and making up with Luke. Although she's now Mimi. So. Mimi, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a cute way to get around the, you know, arguing. Yeah. And I, and she also is up, up to Luke about how her love life's been going. And I think it's good, too, that, like, 
things are not going well for uh, Lorelai right now, so it was good to have someone in her corner. So I thought right. it was good that they resolved that because, like, I think you need someone to be backing Lorelai up, and you know, right. it's, it's not always going to be Luke, but at least it was nice that Luke was back in her corner. So it yeah. seemed like that was dragged out a little while. Yeah, yeah the, and I think it was. I think it was mainly Luke that was holding out and being. I mean, he was really rude to her. Yeah, I, and oh, go ahead. I think I, I think he was actually okay. I think for me, it was more that like they both get so hot headed sometimes. Like they're very similar in a lot of ways. Like they both get really yeah. heated up easily. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think the difference is is that when it comes to um, both of them, they both have the these teenagers who are really important in their lives, and. I think it was just a case of you've got two people with two teenagers that matter to them, both involved in an accident. It's like both were going to take that side. And I think neither of them were able to show empathy or sympathy to the other one. Uh, And that's Mm -hmm. kind of why you got that, that problem. And, but it shows that like they seemingly can get both very kind of like in their own minds, more or Mm -hmm. less, you know, like they, they, I'm kind of very narcissistic in a lot of ways, like thinking of what works for them, but not necessarily what works for the other people. So, well, I think they've lived on their own for so long too. Yeah. I think that might be a product of that. They're both independent, which I think makes a big difference. So, right, right. Cool. Um, favorite performance in this episode? Uh, it was kind of tough. I I was thinking. I was going to go with my standby, which is Emily and Richard together. And then I was also thinking that, well, I, I have more of the dislikes. Dean, because <laughs> that's yeah. always, and Paris, I, I think, you know, I think she did the best she could with the line she was given. But the, but the yelling out the, the different journalists names and like Woodward Bernstein, and um, that was just way over the top. Oh, and Jackson. I didn't like Jackson either. <laughs> no. He's just, oh, he's, he's just, oh, he's so whiny. He's really insufferable. And, like, and it gets worse. And, like, I get that, like, he didn't like what Suki did with the room and all that. But, like, you know, he he definitely was freaking out in a way that was, like, it's fine. Like, it's not like a tornado went through there. Like, you can still sit in there and do things. It just looks different. Like, who cares? Well, then you wonder what's, what's going on with Suki's pathological kind of need to redecorate everything yeah that she's afraid he doesn't like it even though he says he's fine well, what's that all about she said something like he he won't be fine with it eventually or something like that like she was trying to preemptively prepare herself for when he doesn't decide that he actually likes it so i'm wondering so i was like what's in her background that caused her to do that because yeah first i think the whole way that she decorated the house is unrealistic um, I mean, I guess you could say that's part of her character, but to have it be that over-decorated seemed illogical. Um, and and then the reaction for Jackson. So that whole that whole relationship seems kind of unhealthy. I get it because they kind of match each other's quirks and eccentricities, but at the same time, there's something that's off about the relationship that I don't really like. She, I think she, she um, allows a lot of stuff that is not okay. Yeah, for sure. That she's not. I, I noticed that she doesn't seem very okay with standing up to him. No, no. 
Um. Like she's like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like, no, that's not cute. No, it's more intense than anything. So. Mhm. Um. Yeah. Least favorite. I gotta say Lorelai in this episode. I don't know. So the whole ah. thing with with her and Rory, like I wasn't a big fan of that. And again, mm. like you're saying Rory or uh, Dean's this great boyfriend. I'm like, what are you looking at? Like, I don't see that. Right. Why are you pushing a 16 year old to be with somebody she doesn't want to be with? Yeah. So I and I understand that Lorelai's take is that she doesn't want Rory to be with somebody that she doesn't like. But at the same time, it's like, come on, why why does it have to be Dean? Yeah. Well, could they could even mention that too. Like, she could just say, I don't like Dean, but like they make all these excuses and stuff. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't quite work for me. It's um, really outside. It's it's not going with Lorelai's character. Yeah. For sure. Um... Okay, uh, let's see here, uh, favorite, oh gosh, I mean, I didn't really like, um, favorite Emily. what, <laughs> favorite what, favorite performance, I, you know what, oh, I guess oh, I, oh. I say Emily, Emily was good, she's always good, yeah, they yeah. could have her read the film book and she'd be good, they, there was a lot of duds this episode, but Emily, Emily was reliable, they're um, always reliable. Yeah. Richard and Emily. You can tell that they've been acting a lot longer than the others have. Oh, 100%. Um, favorite reference. Do you have a favorite reference from this episode? Uh, well, maybe not fa favorite, but just a reference. When um, when Lorelai in the dream sequence is pregnant, she talks about... Um, so he calls the, the baby Sid and Nancy, which is, you know, Sid Vicious and Nancy Spongeon, um from Sex Pistols. And then... Um, and then she says Leopold Loeb, which is which is an obscure reference now, yeah. but that um, they were um, two guys that both went to the same Ivy League school, I believe, and they killed someone. Um, and Clarence Darrow, who was the attorney for the um, oh shoot, uh, the Inherit the Wind movie. That's a really old movie, but he's the mm. he's the attorney um, that represented. Um, Oh, shoot. Anyways, famous attorney, but he represented them in court. Um, so that was a big deal because he was like the celebrity attorney at the time. Mm. Um, I believe that he was the attorney that defended teaching evolution in the schools, I think. Um, so, but Inherit the Wind, I think, is about him. Um, okay. And so that I thought that was just a really interesting reference because it, it goes way back. I think it was in the 30s, 20s or 30s. Um, and I think eventually one was killed and then the other one was got out of prison after, what, 15 years or something? Mm. But anyway, so if, so if you're interested in, like, true crime stuff, Leopold and Loeb and Leopold. Okay. Maybe not favorite, but I just thought that was interesting they brought that up because I'm like, really? That's a throwback. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the Williams sisters one. That was That was a good one. I thought. Scopes Monkey Trial, that's what it is. So he was the attorney at Scopes Monkey Trial. Yep. Mm. Okay. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> if you uh, want to know more about Clarence Darrow, interesting yeah. guy. So, mm -hmm. you know, look him up. There we go. Sorry, uh, I just even mentioned that. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I was fucking, I can remember the case. I, like, you know way, way more about this than I do. That's for sure. <laughs> 
Um, favorite... But yet I can't do math, so, you know, it all evens out. Yeah. Um, a favorite quote from this episode. I like when she calls Rory about the dream, and um, she's, oh, you had another dream? She said, yeah. She goes, oh, the doctor is in, which is a nice, you know, Lucy Van Pelt reference from Peanuts. Yeah. So, you know, Lucy had the little booth that said, the doctor's in. Yeah. And she had the little five cent sign. Yeah. I, uh, during that scene, I also liked, well, my favorite was, well, I also like where Paris says, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I was like, what is uh, Close Bill Clinton. Right, yeah. Again, yeah, Paris, that was my least favorite performance is Paris, just because I think they didn't give her great stuff to work with, so. I think it's like, oh, she doesn't normally go on dates, and then they did, and then then they didn't know what to write because she doesn't normally do that kind of stuff. But, like, I don't know, it would have been interesting if they embraced her being awkward, because she is awkward. She's not a somebody who's totally (laughs) normal, but uh, I don't know. I could have. But what what is normal, really? Yeah, but like I don't know. I think like her quirks, you could have embraced those and made it interesting, but they didn't really. So I think they, yeah, they make her into a caricature, and I don't think that's necessary. Um, yeah. But you do see how uh, that she and Rory have become pretty good friends. Yeah, they. So the point where Rory's willing to hide in the closet when the guy shows up. Yeah. Oh, and I like the reference to the gods too. Um, oh, yeah. I thought that was great because that would be something that Paris would know. Yeah. She would know about the Zagats guide. I call it Zagats, but I think she called it Zagats in the. Um, and then the guy says, "Oh yeah, I found it on Zagats," and she's like, "Oh yeah, you're perfect." Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh no, he's not perfect. Don't go there yet." Yeah, don't quite. Uh, oh, don't go perfect idea. yet. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, behind the scenes trivia. Let's see if there's any trivia for this episode. Um, you know. Let's see here. Um, this is the yeah the first time that uh, Kirk appears in the opening credits. So hey, um, let's see. Uh, apparently, the return address for Dean's letters doesn't exist. Um, I can yeah. see why though. Isn't that most shows? Yeah. Um, yeah, basically the the street that they use the address is incomplete and doesn't exist. So, but yeah, it makes sense. People would probably be sending like coffee. One, or... two, three, Main Street, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then see. this is written by Amy Sherman Palladino. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, when asked how uh, she enjoyed the nation's capital, uh, Rory says that she got to see Archie Bunker's chair. Uh, which is funny because Babette was also, uh, well, she was, uh, was on all the family. She played his daughter. Yeah. So there you go. A little connection there. Yeah. Which actually is in the Smithsonian, by the way, along with Kermit and Mr. Rogers cardigan. Wow. There you go. Um, any mental health observations? I think just the pushing of the relationship with Dean is unhealthy. Um, yeah. She's 16, and at 16, you're not expected to know really what you want in a partner. Um, but I, and I don't know if Lorelai just hasn't seen the behavior that Dina's had, but I know that Rory's told her about it. So I, it's just, I think it was just really unhealthy to push Dean on her. And mm. it, and I, I get the feeling that Lorelai was doing it from a, you know, this is what's ethically right, you know, is to not treat him like this. And then she said, well, you're, you know, breaking his heart or something. Like what? What a tremendous amount of pressure to put on a kid. 
I mean, really, I think we forget that she's 16. Yeah. And then maybe Lorelai could look at it as, well, let's see why she's attracted to Jess. Mm -hmm. And to not romanticize Dean as this great partner when he's, what, 16 or 17. Yeah. I thought there's a lot of pressure put on her. And, and maybe that, you know, she would have left the relationship earlier if there wasn't so much pressure on her. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just don't think what happened between Lorelai and Rory was helped in this episode i mean we've no. already but yeah it just wasn't that healthy i i have some major issue, issues with how they handled that story so well and then there's the issue of the parents and lorelei with mm -hmm. how much pressure they put on her about uh about christopher the, you know blaming her that you know christopher wanted to have a family and you didn't well no she was 16 again she was 16 so it's interesting how Lorelai has tried to create a different environment for Rory, but still pressuring her. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's that thing that we've talked about before that you see some patterns that are repeating themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I think Lorelai likes to treat it like she's got this under control, but I don't think she really does fully like she's not this expert on parenting that she seemingly treats herself as like i think it would be more interesting if she was like hey i don't always know what i'm doing but this is the best i can do but she mm -hmm. i don't know she's especially when it comes to jess she keeps treating it like oh i know everything like you should be with dean and i'm like i don't know like there's times where she says oh i i don't know what i'm doing this is just the best i can do there's other times where she treats it like she's a total like genius when it comes to parenting and i'm like i don't know it's just but that codependency is not healthy and you know by no. codependency i mean you know, dean writing letter after letter and yeah maybe rory answered them and maybe she wrote just as many letters but uh and then also you know showing up for the romeo and juliet thing and yeah you know stay being at the house when you know lorelei got home lorelei had to say hey you gotta back off a little yeah uh yeah and so i mean she knows that he's not totally healthy but you know maybe she considers that to be healthy but that that behavior is that's codependent behavior when he's willing to hurt himself to to make rory happy yeah uh and and that's not okay i mean i know that some people romanticize it but it's mm -hmm. it's putting so much pressure on rory yeah okay um Okay, let's see here. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we've talked a lot about the unhealthiness of this. And you know what? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I just personally am not a fan of Dean, if anyone can tell. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You're a Dean and Chris. We're just not, not liking them right now. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. It's funny because Jess, they painted him as the bad boy. I'm like, Jess is actually pretty decent like he's the quote-unquote bad boy but he seemingly has more respect for rory than some of the other people in the show do so. then i would argue that dean has oh yeah dean's Even... isn't about respecting it's about about needing her to function okay yeah. yeah so and my guess is if they break up dean's gonna find somebody in like two seconds because i don't think he likes being alone no i don't know if he can handle being alone yeah and like even though they're in a relationship, it feels so impersonal. You know what I mean? Like it does, doesn't it? Like that's the other thing. They have no chemistry. Yeah, 
Like, I feel like he would do, get into another relationship where it's impersonal with no chemistry, and he would get into right. it quickly because he can. Like, you know, on the, you know, he's not a bad-looking guy, and, you know, he's charismatic enough. But, yeah, I think people would start to kind of realize, like, hey, this, guy, this guy's a bit of a dud. So, yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, well, onwards to season three. Uh... You can find Steph over at Stephanie. Oh, you didn't rate the episode. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm totally the second okay dose kicking me, in. But... <laughs> uh. Okay, yes, we gotta rate it. We gotta put this episode out of its misery because I don't think either of us are gonna rate it that high. But what are you gonna give us a score of? I actually was gonna give it an eight. <laughs> wow. Maybe it's just because you. Because you said that I was going to give it maybe a lower rating, so I was part of it's you know just me being oppositional. But uh, um, I and you know now I think I don't know why I liked it. I don't know why I gave it an eight. So maybe it's not an eight. I think maybe. it's maybe because you thought it was making a low score. But um, mm. I I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Yeah. But I I actually like seeing Richard and Emily get an argument because we haven't seen a full blown argument between them yet. Yeah, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of interesting to see how they argue, which is they just, they talk at each other, which yeah. I think is, you know, a lot of arguments. Um, yeah. But it's very, it's civilized, and then it gets really uncivilized very quickly. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a, a yeah, power and control thing that goes on between them. It's really interesting, because you, you can tell that, yeah, you know, Emily's kind of in control of that relationship. Yeah. And Richard's kind of seems like he's along for the ride, but then he starts asserting himself. Mm-hmm. Which we haven't seen as much of. No. And he doesn't do it often, but I think he saves it for when he knows he's right. <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I like season three. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I think season three and four are up there for me. I think season four, mm-hmm. four is personally my favorite, but um, yeah, there's a lot I've of... I've never st- seen it, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, but... <laughs> I think what I like, even about season three, even though we're only one episode in, is just the tone of it. It's, um, you know, the banter is there, you know, we, but like also too, we've got sort of the, the kind of like that small town charm of every, you know, that everything is basically kind of as it should be. But we also mm-hmm. have these moments where everyone's cheery and everyone's, happy and then you've got that where it switches on a dime and you see that here and I think like this is such a good encompassment of what season 3 is going to be where you've got mm-hmm. Lorelai going out and you know uh, kind of getting into an argument with Rory and seemingly show like she oftentimes kind of comes across to Rory like I know everything blah 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 you know mm-hmm. like listen to me but then Later on in the same episode, like, we get her going to Luke's diner and admitting to Luke that she doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's just really interesting that, like, I think we're getting to a lot of the kind of, like, what the show can be at its best, which is mm. a very complex kind of examination of, like, what it means to be a person and, like, not always mm-hmm. knowing the answer to things and, you know, uh, but... Having you, to be okay with that, with the ambiguity. yeah. But also, like, sometimes, too, trying, like, maybe bossing people around because you have to feel like you know more than that person because of, you know, maybe they're your son or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Or your parents. Or your parents. 
Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I think, I think in terms of like representing what season three is, I think this did a good job. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe kind of a weird way to analyze an episode, but I just think that like in terms of kind of giving us an idea of like what this season's going to be like, it does a good job of, of that. So I'd give mm-hmm. it like a seven out of 10. I think there's stronger okay. episodes, but I think it gives us a good idea of what the season will be like. And we'll, right. We'll, you know, it's a good starting I thought... off point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I say it's a good starting off point for the season. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and I like the opening part cause you had no idea what was going on, whether they got, whether Luke and Lorelai got together, you know, yeah. you're like, how much time has actually passed? Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a great way to, to start it. And I was wondering what the symbolism of all the alarm clocks are too. Mm-hmm. I think, and he was also hi- I think he was hiding her decaf coffee because she was pregnant. But yeah, but yeah, the, all the alarm clocks that you know she wanted to get up on time, so he was gonna. He put what like twenty five alarm clocks in the beginning. You kind of go, well, you know, that's possible that Rory would do that. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> you know? yeah, because you just know from the characters, you know, that, that's plausible. Yeah, well, I think too, it's like the idea that like yeah, really for you know that kind of moment. I think it was good at the clocks because it also made it seem like it was not fully reality either. Like, it was a bit of a tip yeah, behind, like, yeah. something's up here, like, that's not a normal <laughs> clocks to have, but right. in, in a dream, that makes total sense that you would have something like that. Like, it kind of just, it kind of separates it from being real, which, like, it's funny because I've seen this episode before, so I knew it was dream, but, like, imagine if you're watching this for the first time, you go, well, what's up with that, right? But yeah. I knew something wasn't right. I thought it was going to be a. I thought it was a flash forward, and you know, Ala lost, and we were going to see, you know, in reverse what had led up to that. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was going to be. So yeah. I thought that was actually part, you know, probably a scene from the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but nope, wrong about that. But I will say about the clocks and and dreamings. This is just an aside. Yeah, uh, you can do lucid dreaming, so you can uh, be aware that you're dreaming. And one of the ways you can do that, if you're, especially this helps if you have nightmares and you want to remind yourself it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at a clock in your dream, and mm-hmm. clocks in dreams are usually really messed up. They usually don't tell you the right time. Mm-hmm. So if okay. you see a clock in your dream and, it's, and it looks really weird and it's got like all 12s or the time is messed up, that's usually a sign that, that you're in a dream mm-hmm. and that you're going to wake up. So it helps if you're having a bad dream. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you can you know, develop that skill over time, lucid dreaming. Okay. So there you go. There we go. Lucid dreaming, everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Steph is over at stephaniesarkis.com. Gaslighting is the book, and Talking Brains is the podcast. And you can find me over at threengreeners.com, where almost every other day we've got content going up. So it's always a good time. And uh, with that said, uh, we're going to, well, Next week is uh, Haunted Lake, the second episode of wow. season three. Yep. So until next time, everybody, bye for now.